This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. That's right, everyone. Welcome back to Five on Three WFUV's NHL podcast. I am Matt Costantini, and we got a new line, boys. Jack Caldwell is back, but making his on-air debut, he he has produced for us a few times, is Chris Hennessy. Welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, so a lot to get to, a lot of exciting news. Uh, NHL to Seattle is finally here after years of talk and and prayer. It's finally here. Uh, We're going to hit the Metro, obviously, and when I say Metro, locals, obviously. Um, and then we'll see where we go from there. There's there's a bunch of other stuff happening in the NHL. So I want to start with the Devils because they've played most recently. And, guys, things have not been going well, to say the very least, at least since the last time we did this show. They've actually only picked up a single win since the last time we've done this show, and that was last night in Los Angeles. They are on their three-game Cali road trip. They play back-to-back against Anaheim and San Jose on Sunday and Monday. Uh, they got their last point in an OT loss to Winnipeg, and other than that, this team's not really looking that great. Well, <clears throat> look, how can they retain John Hines under these circumstances? I wouldn't even be they surprised. Can't. Sorry? They can't. But <laughs> but why? I don't think it's his fault. The, the I just entire don't... team is underachieving. Why is he still coaching this team? That's because, what I don't get. Because the, maybe it's because they overachieved last year. Maybe they just don't actually have the talent level that everyone thought they did. But they're better than the bottom team in the Eastern Conference. Talent-wise, sure. But they're not playing like that. And it's the same that thi- would be uh, a lot of a that coaching, would fall yes. on the coach. It's the same thing that happened to the Islanders the year they won their only playoff series in my life, which makes me a depressed Islanders fan. But after that season, they stunk. That was my junior year of high school with the year that Jack Yapiano got fired. They were terrible. They made a coaching change and then in they January, at the end of the season. In January. It was the most brutal four months of hockey ever. And the Devils might fire their coach in January. But what it comes down to is they made the playoffs last year. And they still think they, had, they didn't make that many moves in the offseason like you guys talked about. Uh, last week, so they still think that this is a playoff caliber team, just like the Islanders thought three years ago that Jack Capuano had a playoff caliber team with Tavares and all those other guys, and then they was like, oh no, you stink, Jack Capuano, you're getting fired, and that could happen in January for the Devils, but it's going to take to January just because of the success he had last year. So, I just don't want to keep beating the same old drum of the Devils being bad, not getting enough secondary scoring and all that. Since we're talking about a possible coaching change, let's let's have a little a little intellectual thought here. Say the Devils fire John Hines, who would replace him? Their assistant. It's coach. tough, I right? Mean, I mean, That's the question of the day. Well, who would who would they hire out? Let's okay. So John Hines gets fired. Obviously, the assistant coach moves in and takes the spot for the rest of the season. Right. Say come July, who would you think that they might hire full time? I mean, obviously, Q, McClellan, those guys who got fired earlier in the year, Yale. But or do any of those guys want the New Jersey job? I mean, besides the MVP, who do you have? Nico Heischer? Nico Heischer as well. True, but... There's a lot of I rumors mean, floating around that Quenneville is going to take the rest of the year off and then reevaluate himself um, in the summer and look into coaching a team then. And honestly, I think the Devils could be a good fit for him in the fact that they're a class-act organization. As much as I dislike them... 
as a fan. They are a stable, well-run organization. They play in the New York area, but they aren't the top team, so you have somewhat of a spotlight, but not that much. Joel Quenneville also played for the Hartford Whalers, so he did have a Northeast hockey experience in sort of this area, so he's familiar with how to deal with that sort of media as well. He wants to win a Stanley Cup again. Come on, he's he's getting up there. He's not going to take a job where he just watched a team fire its coach in the middle of the year because they couldn't produce because they have no goaltending. Granted, they have two great players, Hall and Heesher, as we talked about, but I don't think he wants to take a job where it's going to be rebuilding for five years to maybe then make the playoffs to 10 years down the road. He doesn't have a Stanley Cup. He's 70 years old. You know, but the Quenville, Hall, the Quenville situation is interesting. For five years? I don't think you need to rebuild I don't think for so. five years. I think you need to retool. I don't yeah. think you need to rebuild. Yeah, I mean, I think that this team is a few free agent signings away. I mean, yes. But do you as a Devils fan trust Shiro to make those decisions? 100%. Okay. Just because he hasn't done it yet does not mean that I don't have faith in him to do it at all. I feel like, I, I mean, like, who was he going to go out and get last year? He was never going to get John Tavares, right. so that's out of the question. But then who else was there? I mean, and then you look at this year, it's possibly Eric Carlson. It's possibly, um, I can't remember his name right now. It was just on the tip of my head. Oh, it's possibly, uh, it'll come to me later. But it's po- Artemi Panarin, right there. It's possibly Artemi Panarin. All three New York teams want Artemi Panarin. Exactly. And say you bring in a guy like Joel Quenville, and you sit him, Ray Shiro, and Artemi Panarin all in the same room, Artemi Panarin played for Joel Quenville. If he's the coach in the New Jersey Devils, what's not? Why why not come back? That's exactly the same argument that I, as an Islanders fan, made for John Tavares when Lou Lamorello was hired. Oh, you're telling me you're not going to put a Stanley Cup winning coach and a Stanley Cup winning GM and not convince this guy to come back home? Come there's, on now. There's a difference between the Islanders who are going to play three of their next seasons, half of their home games split up. Do not hate a... on the Coliseum, Jack. That's not allowed. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. This is my we'll get home. There. That's, that's later. I'm not going to hate on the Coliseum, though, because my early <laughs> hockey memories are there. But you're talking about a team that is doesn't really have a true ice rink and is historically and currently not the most well-run organization, despite the fact that Lamarillo is there now. There's a difference between the Islanders and the Devils for a multitude of reasons. I don't think it's fair to compare those two teams in that way. I know I, I understand what you're saying, that the Islanders are a dumpster fire, and you don't have to tell me that, but it's Artemi Panera is going to have so many teams coming after him, including the New York Rangers. And as much as I love the Islanders, as much as you love the Devils, Matt, there's a reason that they're the Islanders and the Devils. It's because they're yeah. the Rangers. That this is This is, you know the Yankees compared to the Mets. And Artemi Panarin's not from here, obviously, but I just feel like if the Rangers come after him with a whole bunch of money and say, hey, you want to play for David Quinn, who's done great, everybody loves him, and all these young guys, and go win a Stanley Cup in Manhattan? Well, how about this? You look at Artemi Panarin and you say, if you're the Devils, you say, why go to the Rangers when they haven't made the playoffs in two years? They're rebuilding. We were in the playoffs, not this past season, but the season before. We We have an MVP. We have a former number one overall draft pick, why, and you guys can all play on the same line together. How can you say no to that? It's especially does New Jersey have the money. They'll absolutely have the money. The yep. only person they're going to need to pay is Taylor Hall. But what what do the Devils also desperately need? It's defense, defense, and, and goalies. And who's on the free agency market this year? Tyler Myers, Eric Carlson, Joe Bo- 
Jay Bomeister, Alexander Edler. I mean, there's Honestly? a wealth of defensemen <laughs> on the free agency market in that my, they can get. In my dream scenario, it is obviously Panarin and Carlson, but I'll take Tyler <laughs> Myers. Tyler Myers is a pretty is good Tyler player. Myers going to leave Winnipeg? I wouldn't leave Winnipeg. I would absolutely not leave Winnipeg, no but way. I don't know if they're going to have the money for it. Money him. talks. Yeah, money talks. So, I mean, we're obviously going to be talking about the Devils for a long time, and whether they finally turn it around, which it doesn't look like it's possible right now at least, we will be talking more about the potential coaching change. I love John Hines, but maybe he's not the right guy for the job right now. Let's move on to those New York Islanders, Chris. Um, it looks like they finally hit that wall that we've been talking yep. about for a while now. Yeah, they're not talented. <laughs> I mean, look, you lose your best player, and in my room at home there is a fathead of John Tavares still. Hanging on my wall. I that's dedication. That it. I that's love. I mean, it's it. It broke my heart, but I I do love Matt Barzal, and he's been good. He hasn't been great in John Tavares's year twenty season. It was like, oh my god, is this guy ever not going to be good at hockey ever? This is this is this is it. And for Matt Barzal, he look. He's averaging a point a game. He's got a ton of assists. He's playing with Anthony Beauvillier and making Anthony Beauvillier look like an all-star. Barry Trotz has done such a good job with this team that Doug Waite did not do that it's so hard for me to be pessimistic, as pessimistic of a fan as I usually am with the Islanders. It is so hard for me to be pessimistic with this team right now, even though they just lost, what, 6-2 to to the Penguins last night, which stunk. But there's, there's so much more hope than there was with Doug Waite. This team hasn't done anything in my whole life, and the fact that they have a Stanley Cup winning coach, a Stanley Cup winning GM, a budding superstar, if they can just get a goalie, get a defenseman, this isn't the season. Nobody thought this was going to be the season, but when you win those games, everybody starts to overreact. Yeah, I think that's exactly the point where nobody came into the season for the Isles expecting it to be that playoff contention season. It doesn't make any sense because it wasn't that last year and they lost their best player. Um, and just like you said, they started winning games, they started rolling, you have the Barry Trotz effect in place, and everybody really got on the bandwagon, and they have hit that wall, as have the Rangers to an extent too, and we'll talk about that later, of course. But I think this is kind of where you're going to be at for the rest of the year in terms of the New York Metro teams. I would be pretty surprised if the Devils made a legit run, and I think the Islanders and the Rangers are both going to be, the Isles and Rangers are in fourth and fifth right now for that wild card, and I think they're going to just hover around that fourth to seventh place area. Not the worst teams, but they're not going to really contend either. I've gone on record on this show saying that no one out of the Metro is getting a wild card spot. Those are both going to teams from the Atlantic. I think that's painfully obvious. But, Chris, there is there is some, some optimism around the Islanders right now, at least for fans on Long Island. They went back to the Coliseum, and they won. Look, so I'm not from Long Island, but my dad is, my whole family is, and I, my first ever hockey game was at the Coliseum, and I remember looking up and being like, wow, this place is loud. I was like seven years old. I was like, wow, this place is really cool. And I was l- sitting in my room watching the game on Saturday night, and I just texted my dad like, "This is this is unbelievable. Like they're home. Like you go to you go to a game at Barclays, you watch a game at Barclays, and it doesn't feel like they're playing at it's home. It's terrible. And they see this is why I love the Islanders because they play the chicken dance. The organist goes no matter who they play, it's the same chant. What is it, Jack? 
<laughs> the Rangers something. I'm not sure if we can say that last part here. I a thousand percent believe we cannot say whatever <laughs> hockey fans chant. At least knowing what Devils fans chant, we can't say that on this show. Well, Devils fans <laughs> chant that too. And oh yeah, they all it, chant the same things. Yep. And it was it it just brought a smile to my face. And they came back and they beat Columbus, who's a good team. So just to have them home again, it, it it's it's awesome and. They're going to build this state-of-the-art facility in Belmont, and it's going to be great. And I know like people are saying, oh, why do you need a new building? Just If you can have a combination of Barclays and the Coliseum, you know, this like state-of-the-art facility, it looks all great, plus a hockey atmosphere like the Coliseum, and if you can somehow get that at Belmont, it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So my grandparents live on Garden City, which is obviously – they live like 10 minutes away from the Coliseum. Yep. A big Islander family, so I grew up going to a lot of those games, even though a lot of times I didn't have a dog in the fight. But the the fact – I was actually in Garden City that night for the Islanders game last Saturday, and around noon, my uncle and I went out to go get lunch. We passed the Coliseum at noon. The game was at 7, and there was a few hundred fans in the parking lot tailgating at noon for a hockey game at 7. If you, if you follow amazing. Frankie Borelli from Barstool on either Twitter or Instagram, you would have seen all day long just tailgating and just having a great time at home. That, that's, to me, just amazing because my uncle is a guy who starts tailgating at Jets games at 8 in the morning, and he was amazed by the <laughs> fact that you had people doing this at noon, and they were all pretty entrenched in that parking lot. They yep. had definitely been there for a few hours already. That's passion. That's dedication. That building, look, I, I don't want to come off as a degrading Rangers fan when I say this because I actually appreciated it for what it was. It was a dump, but there is a sense of, for Islanders fans, that it was their dump. Yeah, exactly. You it's their it's dump. It's your dump. dump. That's your home. Anybody no matter... else win four straight Stanley Cups? No. No. Nope. It's my dump. That's, that's <laughs> my home. That's the point. It's like, it's like in your basement if you have a a hole in your wall or some pipe leaks, but yet at the same time, that's your favorite room in the house. You don't care. That's the same thing at the Coliseum. It rained through the ceiling. The sound system always gave me a headache. Yet at the same time, there was amazing sight lines, and that place was always shaking. And it was really magical to see that happen when I was watching that game on Saturday night. Not to mention that after the game ended, this is how you know that people were pumped. Islander fans will do a let's go Islanders chant with their car horns as they're leaving the parking lot in Uniondale. And I could hear the car horns after the game ended from my grandparents' house. It's like three, four miles away. That's great. All I could hear, I was taking my dog out for a good 20 minutes, and I was just amazed, was loud car horns doing the let's go Islanders chants. After Tavares scored in game four against the Caps, they were doing it all up and down the LIE. Like you could hear it for miles. That's great. So that's enough about the Islanders. Um, is it? Uh, yeah, I think for now at least. Because <laughs> okay. what I mean, what else? I'll, is there I'll, I'll let it go. Okay. okay. Um, let's move on to the Rangers real quick. Again, there's really not much to talk about here. It looks like they've also hit the wall. Jack, what's been going on in Ranger Town? Well, they're just simply not very good. If I'm they, people were jumping on this bandwagon way too soon. The big thing that's been concerning for me is they're just choking late in games. On Saturday against Montreal, they finally looked like they were starting to get back into it at the end of the second period. It looked like they had a chance to, it was 4-2, to two, that they could start to build something and possibly come back. And then they came out lifeless in the third period, allowed a goal with about 10 minutes to go, and 
That was that RIP. Next day against Winnipeg at home on a night where you're retiring Vic Hadfield's number with the crowd being electric and all this buildup towards it, and they blew a horrible lead. They were outplayed the whole game. Henrik played the best game he's Henrik played all played year. Henrik played tremendously. The, the defense is not there. They blew that lead. They lose in overtime. To me, it's a team. The defense is the one thing that's concerning me. I think Tony D'Angelo has made tremendous uh, strides, but he's still not very good in his own end. Brady Shea, who just got that big extension, has been very bad in his own end, and that's concerning me. Shout um, out Damon Severson. That's the Damon Severson yeah. game plan. <laughs> so, Get paid, don't do anything anymore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily that he lost motivation or something like that but I just think they they aren't playing very well in their own end and to me David Quinn is this really tough everyone talks about how aggressive and tough he is as a coach and I feel like that's not something he stands for so I'll be interested to see if all these offensive defensemen start to focus on play in their own end more yeah watch I watched part of the Winnipeg game and they were we all three of our teams saw how really good Winnipeg is. First of all, all they are all, so good. All three of our teams saw how good Winnipeg is. I would not be surprised to see Winnipeg in the finals. Um, that's not the point. The Rangers got vastly outplayed by Winnipeg. It's that simple. And their best player on the ice was their aging goaltender Henrik Lundqvist, who, whether Rangers fans like it or not, is most likely not going to be a part of the team that wins the Stanley Cup. If this is the team that wins the Stanley Cup, right? If Filipino, Brady Shea, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, are the teams that win the Stanley Cup? It's most likely not going to be Henrik Lundqvist in in the net. So they've got some pretty good goalie prospects. Though, that's my so point. We're okay with that, that. That's my point. So do you let now? I know last year he denied the trade. And he wants to stay a Ranger, but do you let him retire a Ranger, or do you want to get something back for him? Well, they don't have much of a say in the matter just because he has a no trade clause. And he owns a couple restaurants in Manhattan. This, this guy's a New York icon in terms of hockey. Of this generation, there has not been a player. There's some pretty famous devils, obviously Marty Brodeur. But despite the fact that Brodeur is a better goaltender and more successful than Lundquist, you're talking about legitimately famous, better-remembered players in the city. Henrik Lundquist is right up there. He's sure. top of the tier. And I don't think considering the fact that he's so part of this com- sports community now. Yeah. He doesn't want to leave, and I think it's disrespectful for the Rangers to trade him, it, considering that he only has – it's not like he has six years left on his deal. Right. Yeah, I mean, for a sport that has as much trouble marketing its stars as the NHL does, I mean, people should know Connor McDavid's face just by looking at it. They shouldn't have to be like, oh, he's a hockey player. He plays in Edmonton. He's the best player in the league. They don't need to get to that point. They should just know that's who he is. That's how good he is. Walking down the streets of New York, people know who Henrik Lundqvist is. They recognize him. And that says something for this sport and for him. And Jack, I'm with you. I don't think that he should, that he should not go the Marty Brodeur route. He shouldn't Go. He shouldn't move to another team when he's done with the Rangers. I think he needs to end his career with the Rangers. And that's pretty much just it. I think that's the end of story. I don't. Th- I don't think that, especially now, because what can they realistically get out of him? Will they get anything useful out of a Henrik Lundqvist trade? A, a team vying for the Stanley Cup would give them a top prospect. No, I but mean, look, it, it, it's like when the Mets traded Tom Seaver. Okay, you trade your franchise's greatest icon. I don't think it's going to happen either. It's it's just from a pure business aspect, it makes sense. But from a logistical human aspect, I don't think it does. Yes. 
All right, so that's enough with the locals. We're all just depressed fans right now. That's that's where we are. Let's get into some really, really exciting news, and it's something that I'm really happy about because I've been following NHL to Seattle on Twitter for the longest <laughs> time now, and they must be the happiest guys on this planet with the news that the NHL Board of Governors has officially ratified the Seattle-based franchise as the 32nd team in the NHL. Now, while it's all good that they're getting in their team, it raises a few questions, and I think that's how we're kind of going to close our show today. One, should they have added a team so soon after Vegas got added? Did they get the realignment correct, and will they kind of go the Vegas route of trying to compete immediately, or are they going to go the traditional be bad for a while? I'll take the third one first. Okay. That's, with, oh, sure, it's any order. With, yes, they will try to be successful because the NHL wants them to be. Look at the T-Mobile Center, whatever it's called. T-Mobile Arena. T-Mobile Arena in the Stanley Cup Final. That place Electric. was buzzing because the Vegas Golden Knights were in the Stanley Cup. So they gave Seattle the same expansion rules that they gave to Vegas. Basically saying to them, hey, be successful so you get a franchise. Or a fan base, excuse me. Because we can get a fan base in Quebec. We know we can put a team in Quebec City, revitalize the Deeks, and make this a huge team, right? Because it already happened. So putting a team in Vegas, putting a team in the desert, putting a team in the Pacific Northwest is interesting because you don't have the known fan base. So they basically gave this them the Vegas rules and said, please, <laughs> please be successful now so we get a fan base here. Now there's there's a lot of passion for this team. I was reading in USA Today that Seattle sold 9,000 season ticket deposits in the tweet. first five minutes of availability. They sold 25,000 season ticket deposits. The arena only seats 17K, so now they have a large waiting list. They sold 25,000 season ticket deposits in their first three days. To compare that, Vegas, which was considered pretty successful, sold 2,000 season deposits ticket deposits in their first five minutes and they reached their goal of 10,000 it took them two and a half months which at the time seemed pretty good but when you compare that to Seattle there is a rabid fan base out there ready for some hockey what I will say though is I think a lot of people are surprised that the NHL is going there before the NBA and I do think (laughs) it's pretty much inevitable that the Supersonics will come back who knows when it'll be I don't think it'll be within the first two years that hockey team is there but I think it's going to happen probably at some point in the next decade. Keep that in mind that Seattle is a basketball town in the winter. It always has been. You have the ability to create a real hockey community when you don't have to deal with the competition of the NBA. When the Supersonics come back, that town will go crazy for them. And that, and that just puts you at a disadvantage. You need to build that f- fan base before that happens. That's the same thing they said about the Raiders, too. That the, that the Knights need to build a fan base before the Raiders get there. And they've done that, which is oh, Absolutely, good. Right. yeah. They've done that. So let's get into, I, I guess we'll go to that first question. Should they have added a team? They're, they ratified the team now. They're not going to play until, what, 2021, 2022? That's, that's their, correct, That's yes. their inaugural season? October of 2021. So that's going to be four years to the day that the Vegas Golden Knights played their first game. Four years isn't that long a time for another expansion team when it took, what, 20 years Almost more than that. Yeah, the last expansion team. Well, when Ottawa and Tampa Bay came in, they came in on the same day. Okay, so that's not really a precedent. They don't. 
this isn't a precedent that they've done one every ten years or something mm-hmm. like that. So I don't I don't really see it as a problem, especially because Vegas was so successful. I think that if Vegas wasn't as successful, they'd be cautious to pull the trigger. Oh, well, let's wait to see what they do in the in the five years that they have, and then we'll put a team in. I think Vegas was successful, so they're just kind of try to keep building on their. I don't want to call it luck, but luck that Vegas did well and try to keep that going. I think you have to be careful about thinning out the talent pool. I'm a big fan of having smaller leagues rather than larger. And I think when you have a case of the Florida Panthers and the Arizona Coyotes and a couple of other teams, really, I mean, Ottawa is still up in the air. There's a lot of unstable franchises right now with very questionable arena prospects in their home cities and you had opportunities to move them to cities that were going to work. I know Quebec City has a lot of potential to work out, but at the same time, the Canadian dollar is crumbling, which is the the reason they didn't go there, or, or expansion didn't go there, rather. So I think they before you're do, doing something that's going to thin out the talent pool even more, they should have evaluated, is Arizona and Florida going to work long-term? And I don't see how the NHL can look us in the face and say that the Coyotes are going to work in the desert long term when they move them in the Central Division, which aligns them to perfectly move into Houston without having to mess with any alignment at all whatsoever with ownership in Houston at the Toyota Center that the the owners of the Rockets want to have an NHL team play there. They want to run one. They are wealthy. They are backed by Beyonce, I've read. (laughs) That's some star power. They're going to get what they want. And I get I I guess that Arizona can go to Houston, but when you have a rabid hockey fan base in Seattle that wants a team so bad, why do you need to thin out the talent pool? Yeah, Jack, I'm with you. I thought that Arizona would have been a perfect commodity to move into Seattle rather than adding a team. I think that expanding again was probably not the right choice. But in the NHL's eyes, it's probably best to start fresh. Because you can't always get lucky like the like they did moving the Thrashers back to Winnipeg, and seeing how successful they became. And Win- and um, excuse me, go back to Colorado. Exactly, yeah. So, while I would have liked to have seen them move a team rather than add a team, it's still very exciting. And Jack, I I do agree with you. I think that they are moving in that direction. Arizona was the obvious choice to get moved out of the Pacific and into the Central, just on a logistics basis. And then if they do decide to make a 33rd team, which is not a 33rd team, it would just be moving them and creating a new franchise would be the perfect choice. And I think Houston would love a, a hockey team. And um, it, it kind of creates this natural rivalry now with the Vancouver Canucks, which I know a lot of Canucks fans have been kind of begging for because they kind of have a pseudo rivalry with the Flames and the Oilers just because of location. But Flames and Oilers hate each other so much. Exactly. Okay yeah, the Canucks. The, the Canucks are the little brother there. But now that they have, they're going to have this built-in rivalry with the with the Seattle franchise. I think it can only do good things for the NHL. And you know, just for fun, we we only have a couple minutes left here. Let's talk about some potential names for the Seattle franchise. Mm. I've been reading that they want to go with the Metropolitans. Yeah. And, uh, eh, no thanks. That kind of just bugs me. I think that it's too long. It's too long How for does it a hockey fit team. On a sweater. Yeah. So to me, there's two keys for knowing if a name for a hockey team works or not. And you have to go about it as a hockey announcer. You say the team for the power play and when the team scores. So let's use Sasquatch. It'll be a Seattle Sasquatch power play. 
That sounds pretty cool. And then the Sasquatch score. That works too. And if you use that for any sort of name, you can you can get a real good feel if it works or not because that's what the fans are going to be hearing for the rest of their lives. So, Jack, I have a feeling that you want them to be named the Sasquatch. I was just pulling that out of thin air. I did read that. <laughs> I did read that that's an option as a name. I wasn't going to hold up and come up with a random name. but That's fair. Yeah, I, the Sasquatch is a cool name. Uh, I like the Kraken. I I've seen the Kraken. That would be pretty cool, Kraken. yeah. I think it needs to go... Uh, Chris, before we get to you, I, I kind of want to throw my two cents in there. I wanted to see them do something with their weather, because Seattle <laughs> is a very... Rainstorms? Yeah. They could go rain, R-E-I-G-N. That wouldn't be bad. I like it. They could do Isn't some... there an OHL team, the rain? I believe yeah, I think so. so. Yeah, the on- Ontario or something, yeah, like, something that. like that. I think it's the, uh, the Kings, the Kings AHL team. Oh, okay, or so something AHL like and OHL. It might, uh, who, who cares? Same thing. Working on it. Um, but then you also have... They're they're known for their forests, their national parks. Ontario Rain, AHL affiliate of the LA Kings. That's Good what job, I thought. Yeah, thank you. Um, Chris, what what do you think? What do you think of a name for, well, for the Seattle franchise? So I'll play a little historian here. The first ever American team to lift the Stanley Cup. Anybody? What Any? was the Metropolitan? Seattle Metropolitans, nineteen seventeen. So you're in favor of that name? So that you just ripped on. I mean, <laughs> look. It, I mean, being a Yankees fan, the New York Mets are kind of like, oh, look at the Mets, but. You know, I, I I made a joke on Twitter. Their owners won't spe- won't spend any money on free agents. I saw that. But... It was good. I like that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be kind of cool, but in that situation, I think you'd have to rename the Metropolitan Division the Patrick Division, which is wins all around. I think, but yeah, I mean, I could I could see the Kraken. I could see the Emeralds. I think because they're the Emerald Emeralds City. Cool. Emerald Emeralds City. Cool, so yeah. Emeralds makes sense. Anything aquatic based, I think. Would also do work. Do we think that their color scheme would kind of stick to the Mariners, the Seahawks? Totems has been mentioned also, our producer Jackson says. Totems have been mentioned. Yep, I read that uh, a lot of people from outside of Seattle are pushing for that, and the majority of the hockey community in that area do not live within the city. They're people who live out throughout the state of Washington, and due to that state's rich Native American culture, I've never been there, but apparently there's a lot of totems all over the place throughout the forest. It's a part of that state's cultural identity. So a lot of people who are fans who don't live in the city want that to be the name to tie into that. But like before before we first talked about, uh, about the totems, do, color scheme, kind of the blue, gray, green of the Mariners, Mariners the Seahawks. Seahawks. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that would look pretty cool on an NHL, NHL sweater. I mean, it, it's the Whalers color scheme, which a lot of people say is one of the coolest in hockey history. I think that would be awesome. Well, guys... That was a great conversation. I am very excited for the Seattle team. I can't wait to start hearing more about them, learning their name, learning their color scheme, and getting to another expansion draft. TJ Oshie and Tyler Johnson from the state of Washington. So look out. Maybe. Maybe, maybe they're coming. For Jack Caldwell, Chris Hennessy, good job on your first show. Very okay. excited to have you on board. I'm Matt Costantini. Come back next week.